Ryan. We're back with another uh, episode of The High Ground, powered by P- Premier Companies. Welcome. And uh, we've got our region agronomist, Glenn Longaball, back with us. Uh, he's calling in from uh, central Indiana somewhere. He's out in the field like all good agronomists are. And uh, yeah, how are you doing today, Glenn? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. All right. We've got another topic for you today, sir. And uh, tar spot. We're going into, uh, to give our listeners kind of a reference, we're in mid, mid-December in 2021. And tar spot has caused a lot of headache and uh, heartache and now a lot of anxiety going into 2022. And it seems to be, uh, Ryan, I'm not sure you call it a left hook or a right hook. We've had some other other diseases in agronomy that have come through and caught us un, uh, unexpected or things we didn't expect. And uh, this may be another one of those. So, uh, Yeah, I remember Southern Rust was that way. I had Diplodia as a problem several years ago. That was that way. And seems like tar spot's no different. So Glenn, give us give us your insight on where we were and where we are today, and where and maybe even some insight into 2022 and what that looks like with tar spot. Yeah, so uh, you know, I don't know that the. Um, I guess first of all, I would say I don't I don't know that the story of tar spot in southern Indiana is completely written. Uh, it has expanded its range, right? It's it's been an economic pest or it's had a lot of interest in this uh, in this country for about three years now. Initially, it was up there kind of on the east side of the Great Lakes in, um, uh, you know, what would be southwest Michigan and um, uh, northwestern Indiana. And it spread across northern Illinois and Wisconsin and uh, the biggest part of, of Michigan. And it has kind of, uh, you know, there's not been much ebb to it. It's mostly just kind of flowed out from that epicenter. Uh, this is a this is a disease that was originally native to South America and more tropical climates, but for whatever reason in this in this country, uh, it has really adopted these kind of cool, wet conditions. Is what it um, is what it really likes, right? And I know Purdue is saying now that it probably has less to do with temperature, has more to do with with moisture. But uh, it's a it's a pretty devastating disease, right? It's uh, uh, you know it's not in the same class. It's not um, uh, Bacidiomyces like southern rust is. But that's how I think growers should think about it, right? They should think about it kind of like a rust. It tends to come in later in the season if you have favorable environmental conditions, and it tends to shut the plant down relatively quickly, right? Uh, there's infection followed by a, a short latent period, and then once you see these these uh, stromata, these these pustules form, uh, you need to know that uh, necrosis follows closely behind. And um, uh, once you've, you know, uh, once, once you've got necrosis, then you've lost all your photosynthetic capacity. And, and that really holds true with, with southern rust or tar spot, either one. It's just, you know, in, in the past, the guys in central Indiana, you know, it'd be the northern part of premier service area really didn't have to worry about southern rust. Well, now they've got a pest that's every bit as devastating as southern rust. <laughs> And, and the way we'll manage these is probably very similar. So tell us about, uh, we talk about airborne or soilborne. What, uh, which one is this, Glenn? Yeah, so this is, this is an airborne, uh, it is polycyclic and it is airborne, but it can overwinter here, right? 
And so <laughs> traditionally, we thought of our, our kind of our regional diseases, our native diseases, the ones that normally start early, things like gray leaf spot and eye spot and northern corn leaf blight, right? Those are, yeah, uh, uh, derma, right, would be another one that we've had a lot of in the last few years. Those are diseases that have multiple uh, life cycles. In other words, they live as an obligate parasite on corn, and then in the wintertime or in the seasons when there's not a, a host plant, they live as uh, saprophytes, right, in another uh, life cycle. And so they live on this debris. They can make a living uh, on, on plant residue. And then once the crop is eligible to be infected, they sporulate, and then you go through uh, multiple generations that that make their way up the plant, right? That's how you normally think of gray leaf spot. And so early season applications do a wonderful job on gray leaf spot of of kind of curtailing um, the onset of disease, right? Because it's not the first generation that kills you with northern or gray leaf spot. It's the fourth and fifth generation that actually infect the upper part of the plant. When we, we think about southern rust, right? It it does not overwinter here. It overwinters in the south, and those spores are blown up here uh, with with um, uh, weather systems, right? Because a lot of our weather comes out of the Gulf of Mexico. A lot of our moisture in the summertime comes out of the Gulf of Mexico, powered by you know these cold fronts that come across the northern plains, and uh, by low pressure systems that are somewhere north and west of us. The, these spores are lifted and moved, just like the photograph from Kentucky that moved 250 miles. Miles, uh, these spores are really light and they can be picked up in the delta and easily carried into the corn belt, deposited. And it's not the first generation that, that predisposes the plant. These are polycyclic diseases. Um, these, these spores germinate, they infect the plant, they have a really short life cycle, and then boom, you know, the whole plant is infected and, and basically shut down. Uh, in the case of this uh, tar spot, the latent period is a little bit longer, but it, it is, <laughs> unfortunately, these stromata, by the second generation, these stromata produce enough, that's the fruiting body, by the way, produce enough spores that the plant is almost always predisposed by the second or third generation, right? So, um, it normally happens late in the season, normally happens when you have good moisture, uh, the way you control this, guys, I don't know if that's your next question, yeah, but that the was way the, you control. Yep. I think uh, that's where I think that's where Ryan was going. How do, <clears throat> what do we do now? All right. So what do we. Yeah. What? Well, <laughs> I mean, I hated to tell you all this background on, on diseases, but I don't think it's just about tar spot, right? We use fungicides because it's the right thing to do, regardless whether you have tar spot or southern rust or gray leaf spot or physoderma or northern, right? It doesn't matter the disease. If you understand plant physiology, you realize that plants, especially corn, is really vulnerable uh, during grain fill, right? First half of a plant's life, it's building the factory. It's building the vegetation. In the second half of a, plant, of a corn plant's life, it is doing nothing but sequestering CO2 with this factory that it's already built, and it's sequestering that CO2 and putting it into the ear, right? It's, it's basically using the second half of its life to build your yield. And yet in the second half of its life, it's not going to put on any more new leaves. So if you have anything that takes away uh, photosynthetic material, you can make a profound impact on yield. 
Now, fungicides have been a really good, uh, especially when it comes to northern and and gray leaf spot. Fungicides have really been effective, and ultimately, you can get pretty good control and almost never have a failure by just making one fungicide application at R1. There's other strategies, right? There are strategies of going at V5 or maybe going to V10 and then following that with an R1, R2 application. Uh, but ultimately, with those the, the diseases that we used to have, an R1 application almost always gave you effective control. The problem with Southern Rust and Tar Spot is that an R1 application, which lasts maybe four weeks and gets you maybe halfway through uh, reproduction, is maybe not going to be effective on these, right? In other words, by the time that coverage or that protection wanes, these, these diseases can set up housekeeping and predispose that plant. Now, uh, part of the confusion has come from the fact that universities have kind of changed. You think about our local university, think about Purdue. If you pulled out a Purdue pocket guide three years ago, it had R5 as fully dented, right? And that's generally within about two weeks of physiological maturity. If you're within two weeks of physiological maturity, you know what? You can have a lot of disease pressure and probably experience very little yield loss because you're only going to sequester about four, three, four, maybe 5% at the most of your dry matter is going to be accumulated those last two weeks prior to physiological maturity. But today, we don't describe R5 as fully dented. Now we describe R5 as dented, a dented kernel. And so that's not two weeks away. That's three and a half to four weeks from physiological maturity. Sometimes it's within just a few days of what used to be considered R4, which was dough. And and the reason why I bring this up is if you see data that shows a really big yield loss to these diseases, it's because they came in maybe a month prior to physiological maturity. And if they come in a month prior to physiologic maturity, you don't have four or 5%, you have 20%, 25% potentially of your yield at risk. And even if they do go ahead and put on kernels, you need to know that oftentimes the result is this, right? You'll end up with really chaffy, nasty, low test weight kernels on rubber cobs that are almost impossible to get off, right? And so, uh, if I haven't painted a pretty bleak picture, this is nothing to fool around with. Now, uh, when we talk about fungicide products, right, there's lots of products that are going to be efficacious. There are some that are better than others, right? We have a plethora of products all up and down this ladder of price, right? There are, there are products that are relatively inexpensive that will still give you some control, but you need to know that the length of control is often really, really short. Then we have these top tier products that are pretty expensive. Uh, they give you great control and they offer a broader window of control, right? That would be things like your Veltimas and your Triva Pros and your uh, Miravis Neos, right? Those products are more top shelf products. They have longer, uh, oftentimes they share uh, components that are similar, right? You think about Miravis Neo versus Triva Pro. Uh, those are very similar active ingredients, right? One is a depidem, one is salatinol. Um, uh, the, the, again, the new Valtima product is really, really good on these, but but you can't spray them at R1 and expect them to control um, 
tar spot or southern rust. So, so what is a really good strategy? Here's a great strategy. A great strategy is to come in there sometime during vegetative growth, during grand growth, make an application. And what that early application affords you, even though there's very little disease pressure, what it does is it stops the, the ones that overwinter here, right? Even a well, little tar spot overwinters here, but it doesn't start till late. I'm talking about northern. I'm talking about physoderma. I'm talking about gray leaf spot, right? That early uh, to, to grand growth application really sets those diseases kind of on their heel. And what it affords you is when you get to R1, that plant will be absolutely stellar. It will not have any lesions on it. So you don't have to just jump in and make an R1 application. So the, the strategy is make a, a vegetative application and it doesn't have to even be of a top tier product. You're just trying to kill what's there and kind of create a protective barrier so that the disease has to start over from the bottom of the plant and work its way back up. On the tail end, what it affords you is instead of making an R1 application that will not last through the season, it allows you to go in there with an R2.5, right? Think of R1 as silking, R2 is blister, R3 is milk. So somewhere between blister and milk, and I would prefer to see that closer to milk, you can make that top shelf fungicide application, which then resets the clock, gives you almost a month of of control. And by the time, uh, you know, a Southern corn leaf, uh, excuse me, not a Southern corn leaf bite, but a Southern rust or a tar spot would set up housekeeping and predispose the plant. You're at physiological maturity, right? That's the beauty is making two applications and making one of them early allows you to delay that R application. And then that R application then can get you to physiological maturity or close enough to physiological maturity that you'll experience little or no yield loss. Hey, Glenn, um, when you're doing, yes, when you're talking about the, the early in the grand growth stage, uh, vegetative, and then you go back out here and let's say you're starting to shift towards this R2, um, R2.5 and you, and you think, boy, those really look clean. This really looks clean. What what about that decision? What if someone says, hey, I, I just don't think I'm going. That looks really good. I made an early pass that I knew wouldn't get me all the way through, but I don't know that I'm going to make this pass because everything looks great. What's your recommendation on that? What are we looking for? Are we going back and looking at conditions? Are we looking at susceptibility of hybrids? I don't even know if that's a thing I'm asking. Is there a susceptibility yeah. of hybrid yeah. thing? Uh, so what are those things that if the leaves look pretty green and, and things are good, you've already got to pass a fungicide on, what are our triggers then on, the, on that second round? Yeah, that's a great, that's really, that's a great question. Very insightful. Ryan, here's what I'd tell you. There are companies out there that claim that their products are better on, on um, Southern Rust or Tar Spot than others, right? And I suspect there is some difference in cultivars, but I think, um, you know, most, most hybrids, right? You think about the disease triangle, it takes three things, right? It takes, takes inoculum, it takes favorable environmental conditions, and it takes a susceptible host. I think most corn is a susceptible host for Tar Spot. And, and southern, uh, southern rust, right? But 
you know, your question is valid, right? You got this really clean plant. It's R2. You're like, gee, you know, there's really not much out there. Uh, and and I'm looking at the weather forecast, right? One of the things you can do is look at the, the weather forecast and saying, hey, you know, they're calling for hot and dry. I'm not sure um, that we're going to have favorable environmental conditions. You could look at the models, right? You got BASF, you got Syngenta, you got Bayer. Almost everybody has a model out there that tries to predict um disease, uh, you know, uh, uh, prevalence, right? Or, or uh, you know, what the, everybody's trying to prognosticate. Here's what I would tell you. And, and take this from an old gray-haired guy that has seen a lot of seasons. We do a terrible job of predicting when disease is going to become epidemic, right? And I don't know if that's weather-related, but about the time you think, oh, well, we don't have the right conditions for southern rust this year, well, then it's physoderma or it's something else comes in and bites the crap out of you, right? I mean, we just don't have a very good track record of predicting disease. If you think it's going to be all about southern rust, it's probably going to be tar spot. If you think it's going to be all tar spot, it'll probably be something like, you know, northern comes back and bites you. But here's what I do know. As a, as a physiologist, right, as a student of plant physiology, if you get to R2, you still are not out of the woods. And since we don't do a very good job of tracking or, you know, why would you really flirt for no more than the cost of a fungicide? And especially at a time where, I mean, last year we had guys that were grossing twelve to $1,500 an acre, right? Why would you flirt with with missing one of these, you know, one of these epidemics, right? I, I don't want to tell you that we always predict it because we don't. But one thing's for sure, you hardly ever get hurt, right? You hardly ever see anybody lose money by making fungicide applications. That's good insight, Glenn. So I think uh, so at the vegetative stage, we come in with something that's uh, maybe not a top top tier uh, top shelf product and then come right back in at uh, uh, just before R2 and, and make a second application and we're home free. Absolutely. Right. And, and so then you've got peace of mind, right? The, the, I, I think in agriculture, you know, sometimes that's what growers are looking for, right? They don't, I think they want every decision they make to be economic and they want it to have a positive return on investment. But oftentimes, you know what we really lack is that peace of mind of saying, you know what, I can go to the lake without worrying that my crop's going to be predisposed. I can I can take my grandson fishing without worrying about uh, whether I'm going to get my nitrogen on, right? I mean, more so every day, I think uh, things we can do to manage the crop that reduces stress on us as growers is absolutely uh, money well spent. That's good. Outstanding. Uh, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else for this topic, Ryan? No, I don't think so. But I, I would like to – I think we can make an entire segment out of, out of fungicides because I know that there's a lot of questions about the application methods, and we don't have to get into it now. But uh, all the way from now putting it in furrow and, and hoping for, quote, unquote, season-long control to now even these recommendations of, of one in vegetative and, and one in reproductive – uh, the next time we have you on, we may delve into that because I know that's in the back of everyone's mind that uh, we got to protect, especially with the additional investment that people are going to have this year. Uh, but no, this is this has been very good and, and a way to tie in that tar spot is the one on the marquee this year, but it could be something different next year. So I appreciate that. 
All right. Well, thanks, Glenn. And uh, we appreciate you participating in another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. So, Glenn, have a good day. See you, Glenn. I sure will. Thanks, guys. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.